Welcome to the Great Furchester Hotel Bake Off. Today's Ice recipe. Cookie! Delicious and no soggy bottom. Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Boy Hattie Podcast. I'm Annie. Good morning. I'm... Wait, who am I? I'm Bill. I'm sorry. We, we skipped last week, so I'm out of practice already. That's right. We've already forgotten how to do this. So sorry, friends. We missed last week's podcast. Uh, it was... Uh, a lot of things happened all at once. We had friend of the podcast, Maxwell Motley, visiting from sunny England. Had a lovely time with her. Who was a spectacular fucking sweetheart? Yeah, I can't it was a lot get of over how nice she was. Yeah, and we knew she was a nice person, but like, she brought me a rubbing of the Peter Pan gravestone in Kensington Gardens, and like a drawing and a wooden thing, like a wooden little postcard. She's she's a gentleman and a scholar, and she made us. How do you pronounce it? She, we called them scones. She called them scones. Scones. She made scones. scones. She she made uh, savory scones with marmite, and then she made sweet uh, sweet scones with strawberry bon mamar, bon mama, whatever that French uh, preserve stuff was, which was so good. I went out and actually bought some more because I'm not mm-hmm. actually a big fan of like pastries and stuff like that. But I thought, well, maybe maybe the magic's in the bon mamar. Yeah. So I bought some more just in case. Like, if we yeah. ever have biscuits or toast in the house, at least I'll have... Like, I didn't want to forget what brand of stuff that uh, she bought because it was so good. And she was like, yeah, she was fucking fantastic. It was really cute. Yeah, we had a cultural exchange. We ordered pizza and had hot wings, and uh, she made us uh, beans on toast. Yeah. <laughs> so... Well, technically... Well, technically, I made the beans on toast, but she supervised, like, the mixture of, like, the Tillamook cheddar in the, mm-hmm. in the beans. Because, like... See, when I've made beans and toast uh, before myself... I just took the, it was kinds of, it was a can of blue Heinz uh, mm-hmm. beans and just like heated it up and put it on the toast. She was very specific about how you have to mix pepper and cheddar cheese into the beans when you heat it. So it becomes like this gooey thing. It's not just the beans on toast. It's just beans and cheddar and it's got to get some extra body to it. So we did that. That was actually pretty good too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had a good time. That was like, man. Yeah. Max is so sweetheart. She left and Foley and I were kind of like, so when's she coming back? It's just good egg. Yeah. Foley made her watch a lot of Teen Wolf, so sorry, Max, that we made you fall down. Well, I was Wolf. joking with her that she got the quintessential uh, Bill and Annie experience in that, like, when we weren't at the convention, we were just, like, watching TV with her. Yep. Yeah, which that's that's how we spent all of our time, because when what? she was over here, um, we watched a whole bunch of clips of, there's a lady called, uh, there's a lady on YouTube named uh, Siobhan Thompson who has this, like, I think it's a YouTube series called Anglophenia, where she talks about, like, British culture and stuff, and so we watched a whole bunch of that, and, uh, yeah, poor Max, she's, she's had a whole, she spent a whole day forced to explain all this basic, uh, cultural stuff from the UK to me, and, uh, it was good, I got to learn all about, like, tons about, like, you know, the McGann brothers and different British foods and stuff, but, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, she, uh, uh, Billy will be excited to know, hear that, uh, we went to go see the movie Maze Runner. We made her go see it with us. Why and, Maze uh, Runner? Because the the star of it is our favorite character from Teen Wolf. Is it Styles? Dylan O'Brien. It's Styles. Yeah. So we're like, he's a very good flailer. So we wanted to see if they took advantage of his abilities, and they did. The, he flailed maze admirably. Runner. Did that they movie. get to the middle of the maze? They run the maze like whoa, Bill. Oh. You wouldn't believe it. But anyway, um, we before that during the pre movie advertisements, they had a spot for a show that's on ABC called Forever. 
that's Yoan Griffith is this dude who cannot die, and uh, his experiences through time, and he's now a uh, 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 forensic scientist in New York City. Yeah, are they trying to follow that like Sleepy Hollow money? Because it's a guy who's like dislodged from time in New York, solving crimes yes. and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, so Fo- uh, both Max and I are both like, "Yo, and Griffith, Yo, and Griffith," and Foley's just like, "Who's Yo and Griffith?" So we made her watch the first episode of Hornblower. Yeah. So and she had uh, time. Foley's not the world's biggest fan of the Fantastic Four movies that of came course, out just yeah. a couple years ago that everyone hated. Because he played fan, what was it, Mr. Fantastic? He was Mr. Fantastic, Fantastic Four? bless him. Yeah, that he poor just, son of a bitch. He was a little too soon. Hey, you know what? Everything worked out just fine for Chris Evans, so maybe there's a chance still for you and Griffith. Oh, that's right, I forgot Chris Evans, the guy who plays Captain America. He was Johnny Storm in that? He was. Because I remember yep. he was the best part of, well, I never saw the second movie, he was definitely best, the best part of the first one. I yep. forgot that, like, because it's funny that Captain America is so stoic. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, but it's funny to think that he was actually started off as like, you know, like one of the better kind of like asshole comic book characters in one of those yep. movies. Yeah. Okay. Bless. Bless. But anyway, yeah, we got our Hornblower on. It was very enjoyable. Fully really liked it. So I don't know if she realizes that by committing to watching Hornblower, she's committed to like 18 hours of tel- miniseries television. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, so. do you guys have the, the, the box set of Hornblower or did, you, did I just give you some digital files? I, I just I just streamed it online. Oh, okay, so. yeah, because because I have the box set, but well, you did did you not buy the box set? And you gave it to me. Possibly that sounds familiar. Because then I ripped the DVDs from the box set, and that's how I have the digital files. So if you ever need those files back, essentially it's your box set. I would just be giving back to you in like you know iTunes form. But uh, anyway, Perhaps. you know, yeah, um, the the yeah the the we're talking about the Horatio Hornblower miniseries that came out maybe about a decade ago. It was the it, the first episode aired in the early nineties. Oh, these is that were, what it was? Yeah, or excuse me, in the late nineties, I should say. I think nineteen ninety seven, nineteen ninety nine, and uh, yeah. So, uh, Ewan Griffith plays Horatio Hornblower, which is a character from a series of books, actually. And uh, uh, he's just great. He's very stalwart. Jamie Bamber plays his um, pining uh, 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 bro. What was interesting was so watching Horatio Hornblower. <laughs> And having seen Mage Runner was very interesting because those are both ultimately book based off of books that are oriented towards young men. And um it's all like they're basically the driving theme is like being your own man and being curious and being intellectually brave and like uh, you know, self determination and standing apart and standing alone and being kind to others but still being a self reliant dude. Yeah. It's just it was just interesting because both Maze Runner and Horatio Hornblower kind of turned the, those concepts up to eleven, and uh, I everyone was saying that um, Maze Runner is is Hunger Games for boys, and uh, it's really interesting because it's more like a of a utopian Lord of the Flies sort of thing is the best way I can describe is it. Is Maze Runner not just the uh, American Indian sequel to Blade Runner? It's a really uh, rough joke there, Billy. You should workshop that a little more. No, Maze Runner is just about this. It's, it's these these kids live in a glade. They call themselves gladers. Glade, glade glavers, gladers, gladers. As in those who live in the glade. Uh. And then there's a ma- this this whole I told Foley afterwards. I'm like, this is just Nowners the movie because they're like, oh, if you go to the maze to be a runner, you know, it's like yeah. there's the the others. It was just interesting. I just anyway. picture this guy going up to like this this old weather cop going up to this kid who looks like a tray from the Neverending Story and says, "We need you, tray you." 
We need that old maze runner magic. And the guy works at like a, like a farm where they sell pumpkins in the fall. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we need you to hunt down this pumpkin stealer. Bill, I'm just saying, you should watch Maze Runner because it looks just like um, uh, a weird adaptation of Pan. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I had no idea that movie came out. Like I saw like last flat, like last spring, I saw something in the twenty, like in the like that that thing they show before they even start showing the trailers at the movie theater was like the Maze Runners. Like this is they were essentially saying like this is the new mo- this. They were marketing it as this is the Hunger Games if you have a penis. And uh, that's all I remember, because they were talking about, like, the design of the maze was different than what it is in the books, but that made it much more cinematic and stuff. But we're just spending way too much time talking about Maze Runner. Well, no, where I'm going is, it's really interesting, because to compare it to to Hunger Games, because ultimately, Katniss and Hunger Games (laughs) is... What? I just wish I I I just thought of the obvious joke that instead of calling it uh, Hornblower, to tie it into the Maze Runner thing, we should be calling it Cornblower. Because Maze Runner... Oh god, I just got your joke. Okay, I didn't understand where you were going with the Native American thing either, and now I get it. Maze with an Oh, sorry, you were gonna say you were making you're gonna make a profound statement about okay, yeah, what? My coffee is still actually kicking in here. So anyway but no, Mm. Hunger Games is ultimately about protecting people you love. Yeah. And like um being strong for others. Uh Whereas, you know, Hornblower and and Maze Runner both have elements of protecting others, but it's really more about self reliance and being your own person. It's a very interesting contrast. Uh yeah. So anyway, that's my deep insightful commentary on this movie you don't see and have no interest in. Uh, but yeah, Horrible is a lot of fun. I forgot. It's been a long time. I think actually since I first moved to Portland and we watched it Yeah, it's been about ten, so 10 years since I really sat down and watched it, too. I'm kind of wondering how it ages. It's very slow, but it's actually still No, but it's Hornblower. I mean, there's battles and stuff like that, but it is still kind of just, like, kind of, you know, it's it's a drama, though. So it's still, you know, there's a lot of downtime between, like, the big battles and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Yoan Griffith is really good. Like, oh, yeah, Paul McGann's in that? What the hell did Paul McGann play in uh, Hornblower? Who's Paul McGann? Uh, he played one of the doctors, like, the uh, for the American TV uh, show. Oh, anyway. I, I'm, I'm being distracted by oh, Wikipedia. Oh, he plays, he plays Turd Machine, doesn't he? Does What's he play Turd name? Machine? Uh... It's so weird they have a character named Turd Machine. <laughs> <laughs> He's the captain of the French ship. <laughs> Turd <Exactly>. Machine. <laughs> he plays... Merde no, Machine. Excuse me. Machine. I was trying to remember. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. what anyway, else happened? Yeah. So you, this is us just saying, uh, Maxwell Motley, listener, friend She's of the podcast. Great. Not no longer a friend of the podcast, but just friend of ours. Burr, burr, mm-hmm. burr. Uh, I, I, I bought her a bunch of macaroons for the trip back to uh, the UK, and she ate them for breakfast. And I, that was just, I've never, I've never had macaroons before. But it was funny just to see her just eat a shit little macaroons before getting on the airplane. Um, it seemed like a weirdly appropriate bill going away thing of like here here's five pounds of cookies eat this for breakfast before leaving America. <laughs> so that's how I got to say goodbye to Maxwell Motley. Anyway, Max, what? Max was in town to visit and also to help Bill out at at his booth during the Rose City Comic Con, which yeah. was weekend before last. And by help Bill out is like help kind of tolerate Bill's super ghetto booth because Bill didn't think about, like, decorating his booth until he actually showed up at the convention. I had the most ghetto booth at Rose City Comic Con. You, Bill, I, I, I roamed that call. You did not. Oh, really? <laughs> you that, yeah. Oh, because I had, like, I had, like, little handwritten signs and shit, like, hanging with duct tape and stuff. It was, it was pretty mad, Max. Um, so, how, what'd you guys think of the Rose City Comic Con? I always 
guys have a good time. Um, it's you know it's a fun show. They do a, generally speaking, they do a pretty good job of keeping kind of the resellers and more pop culture oriented stuff from like a little bit separate from the comic stuff. Yeah, there is a resellers ghetto. So uh, for people who don't know, uh, just for quick background: uh, Rose City Comic Con is Portland's relatively brand new mainstream Comic Con. Uh, that's I think this is the, this is the third year and because uh, in the past there were only two other conventions really big conventions in Portland one was the was it the Portland just comic book convention but that was mostly resellers and stuff what I kept on hearing from people it really was yeah. just like almost like a yard sale and then you had the Stumptown Comics Fest which me and Annie had been part of and and been at a whole bunch which is the indie comic scene. And so, yeah, the Rose City Comic Con is uh, its put on by the same people who do the Emerald City Comic Con, which is one of the bigger cons in the country. And it's mainstream. It's more mainstream where they have, you know, TV guests and, and movie stars and, and shitloads of people in co- cosplay and stuff. It was a really good, it was a good time. Man, before I even made it into the convention center, I had seen no less than six children in cosplay. Yeah. Uh, three of whom were tiny female uh, Matt Smith Doctor Who's. Yeah, oh, that's right. Happy. Yeah, when we were walking from the parking garage. Well, th- this is also one of the nice things, too, is the first thing we saw when we got off the elevator was a sign saying, you know, it's like costumes aren't consent or whatever. Yeah. And so they were really good about, like, you know, trying to make everyone seem kind of all-inclusive. And so it seemed like to be a good crowd. There were a lot of ladies there, a lot of people mm-hmm. who weren't just white dudes. Yeah. Um. It was just, just uh, like everyone was talking about how the sales, people who were exhibiting at Rose City this year said the sales weren't all that great, uh, despite the fact there were tons of people there. Uh, yeah. But the, it was really worth it just to go, at least from my perspective, just to, just to people watch. The cosplay yeah. was nuts. It was fantastic. Yeah. yeah there was a there was a a, a, a two scale. Lego R two D two beep it around mm-hmm. with like amazing. sounds coming out and stuff like it's funny because when I first saw it from far away I thought it was just a poorly built R two D two and you get up and it's like oh no it's just made out of Lego it's supposed to look like this which looked I, good for a Lego R two D two I have one regret which is that I did not take a photo series of fully looking flustered around amazing lady cosplayers yeah because you there did was... the yeah you did the one photo thing. I took a picture with a bunch of Viper pilots from Battlestar Galactica. With, yeah. It was fully so happy. But they're, like, fully kept... I kept seeing her brain reboot. Like, she <laughs> saw one really good Lady Thor. But yeah. the one that really that really got her was... There was one lady who was dressed like... Um, kind of more SWAT-dressed uh, Catwoman from the more recent oh, comics. Oh, really? Except she had long hair, whereas in the comics, it's short hair. And this woman was, like, six foot two... She was Ooh. awesome and fully just like saw her walk by and I saw her brain just like go if you if you're a human being with any kind of sex drive a lot of that cosplay yeah there was like regardless of what your uh, sexual inclination was there was a lot of like hey how you well, doing not even like like sexually speaking it's just like like no oh, but it was like, just, like good so... cosplay but like if yeah if it, but yeah says the guy who was just Congratulating convention for having a, you know cons- cosplay is not considered. I'm like, oh yeah, it was a boner convention. <laughs> but no, uh, but it, it was, was uh, it was really great. One of my favorite costumes of the show was some. There were five people dressed like the Flash, and then they did oh, Flash yeah. in motion. So like they did all these poses where they were all just like a little bit down the scale. It was really really good. Yeah. So it was a fun show. It was, yeah. it was a good show. I got to. Um, Oh, man. So one interesting highlight at the convention for us was we went to go see one of our favorite artists, Claire Hummel, um, uh, also known as Shumla on, online. And uh, she's a she's really a swell artist, a big fan of hers, and um, 
we got her art books, and we also asked her to, we commissioned her to do a drawing of Asami from Legend of Korra for us. Oh yeah, I saw that. And, uh, but while we were there, we saw in real time a dude walk up to her booth, discover her for the first time, wow, you're really good, and right away go, you should draw my comic. You know, I have this comic I've been working on ever since I was a teenager. You so know? this guy was probably it's going really from booth my... to booth all day. He's just like, um, he's just like, you know, it's really important to me. It's kind of like my passion project. I haven't actually written any of it, but I have like some biographies and like maybe you can, you know. Like, what did you say? She was like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Get the fuck uh, yeah, out of here. Yeah. Just like, so I, I interrupted. I was like, you know, I'm sorry, dude. I gotta give her some money here and like tried to cut her off, cut him off. It was just like, it was amazing. I've, I've, I've. I've read emails like that, and I know people like Bill. I'm sure you've gotten contact like that. But it was another thing to have someone who had never heard of her before. Oh yeah, look her in the eye and do it in it's real. It's like time. a live action reenactment of a Tumblr comment, it was or amazing. something like, "Hey, will you draw my thing for free?" Yeah. Oh. Ugh. Man, I had a creeper who came to my table who was trying to show me all the photos of all the cosplayers he's taken. Yeah. Um, this is this this. Old guy who seemed nice enough until, like, there was one of the sexy cosplayers walked by, and he's like, oh, man, what do you think about that? And I was like, eh. And he was like, oh, yeah, I took a photo of her. And he's like, pulled out his iPhone. He's like, showing me all these photos he took of her, like, at Rose City. He's like, oh, yeah, she was at San Diego. She was dressed like this this, this weird little mouse thing. And he pulls up this, like, whole folder on his iPhone, like, full of photo folders of her dressed as Pikachu that he had taken at, Rose, at San Diego Comic-Con, I guess? <laughs> He was like, he didn't even oh yeah. Know who Pikachu was? Yeah, no, he just he was obviously there just to take photos of hot ladies, and somehow he was... he must have just like I must give out really good lonely pervert vibes, because <laughs> this guy really thought like I was a kindred soul. Where he's like, oh yeah, and he's like, oh that's how you get these pictures. You you got to become friends with them, and they'll let you take pictures of anything. And like he started showing me all these photos of other girls had taken, like not even necessarily sneaking, but just like. All these photos of him with all these half-naked sexy ladies from in cosplay from these different conventions. And thank God someone came up to interrupt the conversation and he just kind of shuffled off and wandered away. But it got really weird. It got to the point where I was almost going to be like, I, that's, I don't know, I was so, I like, it's so weird that he would like, a perfect stranger would like, like try to confide in me like, oh yeah, here's my little menagerie of hot little ladies. And I was like... I can't wait for all the sexy pictures I can get at the Lego convention next week. Yeah, I know, mm. yeah. I'm hoping I'm going to see someone in the big conical head, the big claw hands, blocky torso. That's the mm. best thing about Lego. It's very hard to sexualize Lego in any capacity. In fact, anything about Lego, the whole point of Lego is kind of desexifying and making everything kind of gross and cartoony and weird. Um, but. Uh, Foley was making fun of me because I, I, I've been writing little short stories about my Benton, which is my western Lego animal town. And um, I posted one online and I had her read it. And she just looks at me and she said, you, they had sex. I'm like, well, they're a married couple. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna, they're you know have sex. She's like, Annie, they're Lego. <laughs> you're friends with Sam Elliott. Have you never gotten in touch with him about doing dramatic readings about your fiction about uh, Benton? Bill. <laughs> this is Benton. Sure, everyone had claws for hands. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, okay. they got they got wolf heads. Oh, that's there was my, a thing. So as soon as game. Rose City was over, of course, uh, I'm still heavily in debt for all the prints I, I bought to sell at Rose City. So I didn't technically make any money yet, mm-hmm. uh, but I did make you know did get some cash from Rose City. And first thing I do is go to Lego.com to be like, oh man, I'm gonna buy me a Lego just to congratulate myself on having a yeah. great 
And I just totally forgot what the point of me bringing that up was. Oh, Did, wait, there was a thing on Lego where if you spend over $199 right now, you get a free Chima figure, like exclusive mm-hmm. Chima figure. And that was almost my, uh, how I was going to like justify suddenly buying a new thing because any, but any needs that Chima hit. You're very sweet, Bill. I did well, not I'll do it. Well, I'll tell y'all. I, I, I spent over $50 at Lego, and I got it, too. So. Oh, yeah, you did? Oh, okay. And it's a head that I have about 10 of, well, so... They had Lego stuff at Rose City Comic Con. Did you get anything? I did. I went to Bricks and Minifigs, actually had a booth. Yeah, I went there, too, yeah. And uh, did you see the booth behind them? I can't. I think they were called Brick Forge. I can't yeah, remember Yeah, they now. had super expensive, like, little custom kits. Yeah, did you see the, their Doctor Who? Yeah, it was Doctor 100 bucks, and I was kind of tempted for half a second, but then I realized if I went to Bricks and Minifigs, I could probably build one of those sets with, like, yeah. $50 of, of, of just, like, stuff I can get from there. So yeah. The thing is, is that they don't do custom parts. They just use off-the-shelf parts. Oh, but then they build, like, like, little customized sets, though. Like, yeah. The yes, idea, they yeah. put them together. I'm saying you can make them. So for $100, mm-hmm. you could buy, like, a little Lego TARDIS with, like, Matt Smith and Amy Pond, like, mm-hmm. you know, many little Lego minifigures and stuff. But, yeah. yeah, from those guys, I just bought, like, a brick separator keychain for five yeah. bucks. Yeah. But yeah, the only the only booth, uh, they had a DeLorean from Back to the Future there. I didn't even get a chance to yeah. see it because I was so busy. Uh, the yeah. only booth I managed to check out was, yeah, Claire Hummel. Uh, I bought, uh, she had a brand new fantastic uh, Iron Giant fan art prints there. Yeah. Uh, she had a Legend of Korra thing I bought and I bought all of her art books and I swung by Bricks and Mimi Figs on the way back and, oh, and I got the new Legend of Korra art book from Dark Horse yeah. Booth. And those were literally the only three things I bought the whole time there. Um, yeah. But yeah, a good time. Yeah. Rose City was pretty. Oh, and the cool cosplay I saw was there was two girls dressed like Gravity Falls. Yeah, they were cute as and hell. And the girl dressed, it was great because the one girl dressed like Mabel, she had made her own Waddles doll, the pig. Mm-hmm. And that was fucking cute as balls. And the girl yeah. dressed like Dipper, she had like powdered her, like reddened up her nose so yeah. she looked like. I was like, oh my god, they looked like the costumes were just spot. It was just like, oh, was I was great. like, oh my god. And there was a kid dressed as Drunk Gentleman Broncos, of all goddamn oh, yeah. things, the Sam Rockwell movie, where he was he, he was dressed like post-apocalyptic Sam Rockwell, uh, carting around this deer with rockets uh, taped to its side. Which it Man. doesn't make any sense unless you've seen that movie, but it was fucking hilarious. Did you see? Did you see the lady in the motorized scooter dressed like Tina Tina Turner from uh, Beyond Thunderdome? Are you serious? She was my favorite. <laughs> you know, it's each convention, they do do conventions have like a photo booth where you can go and like how do they how do conventions not have like like just an inventory, a cosplay that inventory? That should be because that should be like every convention's pride and joy is like here's our cosplay page from last year. Here's like because yeah. because that stuff like again that's worth half that that's half worth half the impressive admission right there. Is just yeah. seeing all that crazy shit. So yeah, I had a great time at Rose City Comic Con though. Uh, I think I did the perfect visit to Rose City because Foley had never been to a comic show like that before. Mm-hmm. Like, she had never been to a pop culture show or anything like that. And she doesn't always do super well with crowds. Um, but so I think we did the perfect sort of visit to that sort of thing where we got in early and so we wandered around before it was super slammed. And then we left for a couple of hours and built Lego. And just kind of took some quiet, restorative time, and then came back and wandered around a little more. That's, so. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to spend it. Because that convention was super goddamn crowded, too. It's not the world's oh, biggest convention, nuts. but it was, yeah, it was pretty packed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So. so it was a good time, and it was it was lovely to meet. Let's see, not only was Max there, but we also um, met Cannon Hart, good old friend of the podcast. 
And uh, um, I very briefly got to listen, um, uh, uh, got to meet Monica, who's also a Boy Hattie listener. So, what's going on over there, Bill? I'm just contemplating. I just <laughs> went into a very no. I'm sorry. I'm actually reading the uh, question and answer questions we have in the uh, in the YouTube chat thing. Uh, just Helen Haddon. Just uh, she's also pointing out that sometimes my audio goes goes fritzy when I'm talking to her on Skype. And also a whole bunch of uh, questions from Russian people. Something about exoxively blog, zokflok axumwek, and uh, that's pretty much it. And anyway, this is already this is such a junky podcast already. This is a bad. How you doing? This is a bad one. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So we we went to see Maze Runner. Maze Runner was that's pretty good. They'll tell you. I'm I'll just say done any... talk about Maze Runner. No, I'll be brief. Any other arachnophobes? Don't go see Maze Runner. Oh, that bad, huh? Well, no, the the big, the villainous things were uh, these big kind of robo-scorpion spider things that made me feel weird. Scorpions. But what's funny is that, so the whole movie is about this mysterious maze that you know nothing about, and then at the end, they abruptly shove in a ton of um, expl- explanation and stuff and world-building and stuff, and so I get home, and it's very open-ended, and it's like, how are these teens so special now that they've run the maze, and how are they going to save the world? And I went home and read the, I was like, fuck this. I went home and read the Wikipedia entry explaining it all, and I was just like, oh, this is this is really bad. Some chicken part of bullshit. <laughs> this is really bad. Now, is this another shit. series, YA series that got turned into a movie that started off as fan fiction for something else? No. Oh, okay. This actually, these actually were just straight up books, and they predated Hunger Games. So uh, is it, well, who's the baker guy in Hunger Games? Isn't, is it PETA? PETA. Yeah. PETA, as in PETA bread. That's how I remember That's what I say. Is Does he not make donuts, and so technically he could be considered the glaze runner? Okay, well, that joke is so much better. <laughs> That's so much better than your other joke. Very excited about it. The only so I've been uh, between Ma- as soon like literally Max's plane left two hours after my parents' plane. Tell me arrived about this because I in Texas. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say so they saw you on their way back from the airport. Yeah, so I I I I hired a cab to take Maxwell to the airport, and and I got so tired of Max's shit by the time she was gone. I ordered the guy to assassinate her, but it didn't go right because I I like Max. I I wound up in the car with her, and I was like, oh my god, I don't want to die too. So I wound up having to sit around and feed her macaroons until she left. And I was like, god damn it! This sounds very like she escaped because we, we we me and Annie have this unspoken policy that like. We, we we can't let our our listeners leave alive because we have dark secrets that they, they they're exposed to. We can't let the world know what terrible hosts we are. Max saw too much. So, teen but wolf that to escape. Max will actually manage to escape with a belly full of macaroons back to the UK. Unfortunately, uh, I, so I, I I took the red line back into town, took the bus back, stopped by Freddy's, and when I was waiting for the bus back from Freddy's, yeah, your parents just happened to drive. But I, there's a honking car. Then like this, Max was probably not even on her plane yet. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I was sitting there like, yeah, just on the street corner, and like, it's your parents in Hong Kong driving by, and like, I, Annie's folks, okay, yeah, so. <laughs> they felt really bad, actually, afterwards, they are like, we should have given him a oh, ride! Oh, no, I was only, like, like, 15 blocks away from, like, like, it was like a 10-second bus, and I already had a bus ticket from coming in from the airport anyway, so it was like, no thing. Yeah. But it was cool to see them for 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my folks are visiting from Texas, and uh, we're having a lovely time just hanging out. We showed them the Lego movie last night that they enjoyed very much. Aww. So, but, uh, so the thing, the thing that I've been waiting, because we've had so, we've had guests all month, 
Uh, I've been waiting for everybody to to be gone. It's okay to say so that, that out loud. No, 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 no. Because I've been wanting to play Wasteland 2. I oh, backed Wasteland on Kickstarter, and it came out right at, you know, right during Guest Again. And uh, I love all of our visitors. Don't get me wrong. It's been great. But I've been like, I want to play Wasteland 2. So I finally got to play some of it last night. And it's great. It's totally scratching my Fallout 1 and 2 itch. Is this the Fallout uh, clone that's made by the guys like originally made Fallout or something? Or is this just inspired by Fallout? Sort of, except not at all. Fallout was inspired by Wasteland, uh, which is, was a computer RPG in the 80s. They actually tried to get the Wasteland license to make a game, couldn't, and instead made Fallout. So um, the team that's working on uh, worked on this were also some people who worked on Fallout 1 and 2, okay. um, most notably Brian Fargo and... Um, so, you know, that's kind of... So this is a sequel to the game that inspired Fallout. Okay. So it's not... It's not, it's, it's not so really a knockoff. So there's not like underground bunkers or anything. Like there's... It, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only played a couple hours, so who knows. Uh, it's... Wait, it's, had you uh, not played any original Wasteland stuff? I'm, uh, they get, did give it as a backer, and I played a little bit of it, but it's an old yeah. game, dude. It is an 80s RPG. It is not fun. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, I've been playing it a little bit. It's a lot of fun. As, just like it in Shadowrun. I loved Shadowrun. I had a great time with Shadowrun. Just like with Shadowrun, I had a lot more fun once I realized how to cheat. And I just went in and tweaked all my characters and boosted no. everything. Because I'm just playing it for, you know, the joy of playing it and, uh, the, the pleasure of the narrative and the world and everything like that. What's nice is that Wasteland is is very similar to Fallout, except it has more of a Wild West sort of flavor to it. So it is right up my alley, and I'm having a great time with it. Not the not, uh, and a part of that is that there are a lot of rad lady characters in this game. Uh, I've met like a lot of really compelling females. It's been a lot of fun. So I'm enjoying and I'm enjoying Wasteland too. It's very old school and it's very cumbersome to play. It's one of those games where you have a party of five people and you meet a locked you hit a locked door, you have to go in and manually select your lock picker. Oh, wow. Select your lock picking tool and then this go is the as new opposed game? to the game. Yeah. I mean even even wait I was I've been replaying Fallout 2 and Fallout 2 if I try to repair something my team member who's like the repair guy will go let me take care of that boss and go and fix it for me. So it's a it's a little more cumbersome in that regard, but I'm enjoying it. It's those sorts of games feel like home to me in a real way, just cuz Fallout was so important to me. So, I'm having a good time with it. And it's great that this came out because Foley is working on a comic. So now she can keep her head down in the office and actually make things and I can keep my head down and uh shoot mutated gecko. So, anyway, that's been Annie's monologue while Bill tunes no, out. That's fine. Bill, what have you been up to? What's that? What have you been up to, uh, Bill? Playing a little bit pieces of Destiny, just trying to still tolerate that game, but it pissed me off. They announced that they're fixing some of the loot stuff with a patch next week, so I'm going to completely just stop playing that game until that patch comes out. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a, there's a loot dynamic in Destiny where uh, you get, like, this diagram. Some enemies, enemies will drop a diagram that you have to take to another person to decode, and that diagram will turn into, like, a piece of armor or a gun. And uh, yeah. some, like, the color of the diagram that drops uh, shows you what, like, what, what kind of quality of, of the whatever piece of equipment mm-hmm. that thing will turn to once it's been decrypted by this guy. Uh, the way mm-hmm. Destiny works right now is oftentimes uh, when you get that diagram decoded and it turns into an actual weapon or something like, like that, it's actually of a substantially lesser value of whatever color-coded hierarchy that the, that the diagram was when you first picked it up. 
It almost seems like mm-hmm. a bug, but it's like Bungie's come out and said, no, this is the way it's supposed to work. We thought this was a good idea. The fact that like when you pick up something that it may actually turn out to be far lesser value than it originally seems. Uh, mm-hmm. They're like, no, yeah, we thought it was a good idea. And everyone's like, you fucking crazy. So they're actually pick, uh, patching that. And also just there's, it's, I've already played everything you can do in Destiny like 15,000 fucking times. Uh, but there are yeah. new games coming out next week. I forgot we're at that time of the year yeah. where new games are coming out like every yeah. week. I mean, whether or not you're into those games is a whole different thing. Um, Did you, have you been reading the reviews of Shadows of Shadow Mordor? Shadow of Mordor. I've, the only history I have with Shadow of Mordor was the games writer called named a bat. Oh, my low blood sugar just suddenly hitting in. First. Uh, yeah, no, a games journalist named Kat Bailey. She was at GDC last spring, and she had been hearing from other people about how the game systems in Shadow of Mordor are supposed to be really fucking crazy. And if she gave a couple mm-hmm. examples of, like, yeah, if you shoot a guy in the arrow at the beginning of the game, he survives, he'll come back with, like, an eye patch later, and a kind of weird shit like that. Oh, seriously? And that's all I heard about. I was like, that sounds kind of cool, but that doesn't. That sounds like something, like, people would claim they can pull off a GDC, but when the game comes out six months later, it's not going to have that shit. And, but the game, the reviews came out, and everyone's like, it's got that shit in it. And all yeah. I know, I, so I have not actually read any of the reviews. I just read, saw some of the scores, and everyone's like, this game's fucking, it's like a game of the year contender now. And I'm like... I haven't been reading the reviews because it sounds like the kind of game that, kind of like Saints Row, where I'm going to enjoy it more if I just go into it knowing that people are enjoying it and comparing it to other games that I like, and I should just discover Yeah, so that's why I haven't been reading anything, because I want to go in blind, because I've gotten this far, and the game comes out like yeah. in two days, yeah. I uh, the the screenshot that he's floating around that's killing me is a screenshot of he's like you press L two to enter stealth mode, Uh, press X to kiss your wife in stealth mode. I saw that (laughs) screenshot even before you you posted or whatever, and I was like, that is totally Andy's gonna if Andy sees that. That's going to become yep. an Annie thing, and it did. Yeah, you clung on to that. I was like, oh, this Andy's yeah. going to buy this game. Well, the thing is, are you going to buy it this week? Because I am. You know, I was... I am so... Well, what system are you buying uh, for? PlayStation 4. Everything I can. If I can buy PlayStation 4, it's PlayStation 4. Okay, I may actually... Yeah, if, you if you I can, or, once you finish it. Yeah, if you want to wait a week or two, because there's more games coming out. Like, Alien comes out next week, like, next Tuesday. So hopefully I'll try to finish yeah. Mordor by next week, and I'll move on to Alien. Um, yeah, just because, like I said, I'm so fucking bro. So, yeah, hopefully, well, maybe, I don't know how long Mordor is, but if it's only, like, an eight-hour campaign, maybe if I can beat it by next Sunday, if we record in person, or we can do it with some kind of handoff or something like that, I can give it to you. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. That. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll get it. And, uh, yeah. And, well, there's also Forza 2 coming out on Tuesday, which I really like. That's that's a sequel to a, an Xbox uh, kind of off-road racing game, which is really fun. But then there's also, yeah. like, the PlayStation 4 exclusive racing game is coming out, like, a week oh, after what that. Is it, Drive Club? Yeah, Drive Club. Bill, are you gonna race against my drive Is yeah. that that game? No. I didn't realize the Drive Club, it's actually made by the same people who made the Motor Storm games for the PlayStation 3, which those are really, oh, really? fun, really pretty-looking games, and, like, the footage I've seen from Drive Club looks really goddamn gorgeous. There's all kinds of really cool, like, weather effects and stuff. Who knows how it mm-hmm. plays, but, like, it looks gorgeous. But, um, yeah, I yeah. can't remember what else is coming out soon within the next couple of weeks, but just those games are right there. That's enough to, yeah, I think my time with Destiny is kind of at a, at a, at a kaput yeah. for a while. Man, I'm just holding my breath for, uh, fucking Dragon Age Inquisition. But, yeah, that's a month and a half I'm away. So that's, like, excited. two months away, though. That's the unfortunate thing, yeah. <sighs> oh, boo, boo, boo. And man, Assassin's Creed Unity comes out like the same week. If only like Assassin's Creed could come out a month before Dragon Age. Oh, Sleeping Dogs comes out like in a week and a half. Sleeping Dogs. Are you thinking about picking? Well, you're broke, so you're not going to pick up a remake of a game you've already beaten. I love Sleeping Dogs, and I would support it in a heartbeat. Except I can't. 
Oh my god, I can't. I can't. I mean, seriously, I'm actually like, I'm worried about how we're going. Don't tell folks. Yeah, you're only, you're only getting married in a year. You only need vast amounts of money to pull that off, oh, too. Man, I, I put in my first, I wrote my big, big multi digit check for a deposit for our oh, venue. Yeah. Oh, I got a quote back from one vendor. We wanted to do for um, wedding presents, we want to do bandanas. We're gonna have our Kate design, friend Kate design them, and we're, we were. I was talking to a local printer about quotes, just general quotes. Uh, I was like, if we want to do this sort of printing on this sort of bandana, um, one color, mm-hmm. two hundred units. What do you? How much? He came back. He said nine hundred and thirteen dollars, and I'm actually considering it. I put it in my budget and everything. So you are talking to a person who is seriously considering spending a thousand dollars on. So what a gift need to be like a couple hundred dollar check for like to help out with what uh, <laughs> bandana gifts? Well, it's five dollars per bandana. So if everybody can just pay me five dollars for their wedding gift, I'm I'm fine. That's you know, that actually would be the craziest idea. <laughs> well, my hope I wanted to do a lot of them because I'm not inviting two hundred people, but I wanted to have extras, and I actually wanted to give some out to any boy howdy listener who wanted one. Aww. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's fucking money, man. I, I did my budget. I actually fully, I started a Google Doc that, um, uh, we break down every, everything we have quoted so far, and then you assign what category it is, and it dynamically, um, updates this pie chart, so we can kind of get a sense of where our money is going and everything like that. And I shared it with Foley, and I'm, while we were both at work, and I went in on my lunch break, Foley was also on her lunch, and she was in the middle of adding a field for sex with Tom Hardy, <laughs> category, entertainment, <laughs> $10,000, and I'm like, I married the right lady, yeah, I'll tell you like, that. Uh, do they still, do- there, there was a famous, uh, there was uh, two ladies back in the 60s and 70s who were famous. They would take uh, plaster molds of rock stars' penises. <laughs> Should see if they could do the same thing with, like, Tom Hardy and, like, other, like, you know, famous see, stars. Right I now. don't just want his genitalia. I'm sure he has a nice genitalia, too. I'm not saying that's the whole point of Tom Hardy, but hey. I've seen, I, Bill, if you've seen Bronson, we are aware of these which, things. Although, I'm just saying. Which, if, if someone gave you a coat rack, a coat, like, a hat rack that was just Tom Hardy's penis just bolted to a wall, would you accept it? Okay. No. No, I would not. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm looking um, at my Amazon wish list and games coming out. There's actually not that many. But yeah, Alien comes out next week. Dragon Age comes out November 18th, which is two months away. Uh, there's a yeah. Halo Master Chief collection, which I'm only interested in. That comes out at the beginning of November. Uh, Sunset Overdrive. Witcher doesn't come out till February. Yeah, Assassin's Creed Unity comes out the week before Assassin's Creed. Uh, that's November 11th. And I think that's yeah. a uh, Far Cry. Far Cry. Oh, so November eighteenth is Dragon Age, Far Cry four, and the Grand Theft Auto remake all coming out the same day. Maybe I should cancel my because I pre-ordered both Assassin's Creed games because they're both seem the, relevant really? to interest. Well, I mean, well, you may, yeah. yeah, you could definitely. I love no, Assassin's Creed. Saying, you I can be you as could just get one, and the other one. one will be dirt cheap and like by you know by Christmas. Well, see, my thing is, Black Friday sales really. Really, what I should do is cancel both of them, because I'm really going to play Dragon Age, and that's all I'm going to care yeah. about, and then I should pick up them both later when I'm Yeah, if you Dragon can survive Age. that one week between when they come out and the Dragon Age coming out, then yeah, you could... Yeah. If you wait, like, three weeks, you'll be able to buy both games for half off. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Just throw... Well, then you, mean, you don't have to do it now. You got two months to make that decision, is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. 
Always what else? Anyway, yeah. So, uh, video games. Yeah. So, most importantly, the thing that's coming up in the near, very near future that we're both excited about is, of course, season four of Legend <gasps> of Korra comes out. What next week? October third, October fourth. Oh uh, yeah, it's this Friday. The final and, uh, season. Of so Legend the trailer. The trailer just came out. It looks so good. That shit's look good. Oh, it's, it takes place three years after the first, after the last season too. Yeah, which I'm glad because Cora got all fucked up, and this actually will explain it. I'm just saying. Short haired Cora, oh. Asami with her mom's the, hair. Did you see? Well, just she's the bad guy. Seems to be like that little bit of a like metal bending guard you saw, saw for ten seconds at the yeah. end of last season. So everyone's already doing like, oh yeah, they're gonna make out because they have the same haircut. Now they look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. That is how that works. It's terrible. I'll be walking down the street. I see another one with Bob. I'm just like... <sighs> Did you see the spoiler? Like, So it wasn't a part of the official trailer I saw, but everyone else flipped out about, like, there's another character development that's going to happen. And I was like, where the fuck is this coming from? Because everyone's assuming this is, like, a thing. And then I did see a clip that actually shows that something's happening to a character... That I was like, oh shit, they're actually gonna do that. Did you, you know? You know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay, know. spoiler stuff. Where I was like, I don't know. I do. It, the, it, the, the trailer ended with Cora looking off screen and going tough, which is enough oh, that's to what make I'm talking so about. Excited. Maybe I saw a different trailer because I didn't see that. It's at the oh, end of the trailer. Yeah, it's like it's when it seems to be over, and then oh, they I cut must back have stopped it because I was Cora. like, oh, that's the end. Oh, that that's what I was talking nope. about. Tough's coming back. Tough's coming back. Man, so it's good. Good. again. So this excited. season could be terrible, but it'll be worth it just for Buttface McCanny's drawings of these characters. Like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If y'all are a Korra fan or even an Avatar fan and are not familiar with the art of McCanny, I highly recommend looking her up. I think her Tumblr is McCannyArt.com. Yeah, M A K A N I. All you really have to do is Google yeah. that term, and you'll find her Tumblr. And like these days, all of her posts are just about Avatar: The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. It's so good. She's been doing a lot of really great Lin Beifong art. It's so good. It it is a crime that Dark Horse hasn't given her a pile of money. Yeah, to do she actually some just last Lin night Bay she posted Fong a whole comics. bunch of stuff about uh, Pema and Tenzin, and like how they were breaking yeah, up around yeah. the time. Like like uh, oh, I just think it's good stuff. It's it's great because she draws like little comics. Not only is her fan art, but she's like rounding out character stuff we haven't seen about the older beat up characters, which is kind of great to see. Yeah. Man, I'm still pissed off. Like. The Dark Horse never did anything with all of her uh, Mass Effect. Like, her volumes! She could have filled, like, two books full of all of her Mass Effect sketches <laughs> in the week of Mass Effect 3. Well, the thing with Mass Effect is that it's very clear when you look at all the Mass Effect comics, all of them have been driven by people involved yeah. with Mass Effect. Like, they're actual writers for Mass Effect. Who, between you and me, are not necessarily... When you write video games, that doesn't mean you write... You know, yeah, you're not a fucking novelist or anything, just, yeah. yeah. And, uh, anyway, um, well, no, just comics, the language of comics is very different from the language of other medium. And, uh, but whereas with the Dark Horse, with Avatar, they very clearly have a little more of a free reign because all of, um, what's his name, Gene Yang's yeah. comics for Avatar have been phenomenal. And the art has been phenomenal. So, uh, I'm just saying, Korra has made zero dollars, <laughs> but maybe, maybe we do a Kickstarter, Dark yeah, Horse. Call that's me, terrible I'll do thing, your video. There's absolutely no so. justification to have Korra comics because, like, three people watch that show. And those are three people, two of them are going to buy the comic. Um... Yep, and they're both us. I know, exactly. So, uh, I'm saying there's, this demographic, y'all got it down. Speaking of stupid stuff, um, there's an uh, online re- uh, reviewer guy called The Nostalgia Critic who just reviews, like, pop culture stuff from the 90s. And uh, also, mm-hmm. he's reviewed some more, like, recent stuff, and he just recently, relatively recently got into Avatar The Last Airbender stuff. 
And uh, he just had like a mm-hmm. top, he just had a countdown list this week of the top 11 best Avatar episodes. And to, in order to help mm-hmm. present these top 11 Avatar episodes on this countdown for his video, YouTube video series, he had Dante Bosco show up dressed as Zuko. And Dante Bosco loses my, yeah. his mind and thinks he actually is Zuko and starts chasing this guy around with like a, a fire bending and he chases him into a Barnes and Nobles and they're blowing up the Barnes and Nobles and like this nostalgic critic guy defends himself with a copy, like a hardback copy of like the Avatar comics. And like Dante Bosco's like, hmm, what a well-written comic. Everyone should buy this. And it's just like very stupid, like shilling for the Dark Horse, uh, Korra Avatar stuff. But it was, it was kind of cute. Anyway. The, yeah, we've talked about this before, but real quickly before we move on. Those Avatar comics are yeah, good. Yeah, knows what he's doing. If you like, if you like, if you like those original Avatar series, you oh, yeah, gotta I mean, read those well, So Avatar after comics. the nostalgia critic defends himself with like one of the Avatar comics, uh, Dante Bosco, the guy who plays Zuko, also Rufio. They make a couple of funny Rufio jokes in this video too. Uh, he grabs the comic, cracks it open, and he's like, "Oh, that's what happened to my mom." Brr, brr, brr. It just it's cute. It's cute. Anyway, what else? <sighs> What else? Bill, I'm all done. Tell me about Star Wars Rebels. Uh, Star Wars Rebels. Rebels is essentially the sequel series to the Clone Wars CGI cartoon that got canceled. Um, this is the new uh, CGI series from the same people. Uh, this is the one that takes place between... It takes place just like a couple years right before uh, the first Star Wars movie. And so it's like, you know, you got Darth Vader and Stormtroopers and shit running around. And this series is uh, about how these... Like, it's about this small group of Rebels who end up picking up this little kid who is essentially just a ripoff of Aladdin... And how he ends up joining the Rebel Alliance, <laughs> and it's all about like the Rebel movement, like kind of leading up to the events of the of the very first Star Wars movie. And uh, they put out yeah. the first two episodes as a little TV movie. It's not very good, but yeah. then again, also yeah. like the 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 kind of TV movie that they put out in theaters, like for the first chunk of like that that essentially formed the first like three episodes of the original Clone Wars series. That was also terrible. And not that this show was terrible, yeah. but it's like. It's one of those things where it's kind of clumsily written pilot where all the characters are running around. It's this crew of rebel guys. And essentially Firefly, they have this grungy little ship that's like Millennium Falcon. They're just running around getting adventures. And this Aladdin kid meets these yeah. these this, this ship full of people. And the ship full of people, they're pretty much their only roles in the whole show is just to kind of keep on reiterating what their character like archetype is. Like there's a big gruff monster guy who's like, I'm a big monster. I hate little kids. And like, there's a sassy pilot lady, and she's like, I'm the sassy pilot lady. I'm the maternal influence on this group. And, you know, it's kind of like there's no yeah. real story. It's just, like, characters. And there's a sassy... Oh, we, we, when we had our last Star Wars con- po- podcast with uh, Conley, Mike Russell, and Bobby Roberts, Conley was flipping out about how one of the characters on the show is essentially a Boba Fett person, like pink, uh, like Mandalorian person yeah. with, like, the mask, like, the big bucket, like, helmet with the visor and everything like that. Except she's pink because she's a girl. And so she's just, like... It's yeah. a fucking pink Mandalorian, and she's really into art. Although, at least in the pilot of the show, she's really into art and also explosives. So she gets to blow up stuff, but she's yeah. still like, I'm gonna spray pink graffiti on this, because I'm a pink, pink punk man Boba Fett lady. And, uh, yeah, not a lot of character growth. It's a lot of just, like, yeah, kind of flow. But I don't know, the show definitely has room to improve, but yeah, so. Yeah. Is also oriented towards 12-year-old yeah, boys, so. But then whatever. <laughs> Here, yeah, here's like a 40-year-old man complaining about a children's cartoon. <laughs> this cartoon is not as complex as I would have written it if I was George Lucas in charge of this TV show. All right, Bill. 
Do you have any other notes, or can we go on? Oh no, we are we on juice? Is this it? Oh no, but I guess I did talk about the Anglophenia. Uh, go circling back real quick to Siobhan Thompson and the Anglophenia uh, YouTube series. Yeah, this is the other bit major thing I did was. Uh, when Mashable was here, like I said, she she introduced me to this Anglo- Anglophenia YouTube series that talks about British culture. There was one of the videos that mm-hmm. Siobhan Thompson has on the Anglophenia video series is top 10 British TV shows that everyone talks about in Britain. One of the shows is called The Great mm-hmm. British Bake Off, which is a cooking competition held in a tent in this like English garden, which is, it's a cooking competition, but it's super low key and everyone's kind of really friendly with it. It's the most British thing possible because they're all just making pies and stuff. But everyone's <laughs> very nice to each other and it's very cordial. And even though it's still that kind of cooking competition thing where everyone gets, there's someone gets picked to get booted off every episode. It's very much like, oh, I knew I was going to get booted off, so I will go now. It's okay. So I've been watching a whole bunch of that and it's very cute. <laughs> and then there's also, uh, because of this video series and because of Maxwell Motley, I was exposed to a show called Time Team. Which, this sounds nuts, but it's an archaeological show where archaeological teams are given three days to excavate as much stuff as they can from, like, a random archaeological site. And the show is just about showing what they can dig up in three days. And so it's all about them running all over Britain, like, digging up, like, ancient Roman roadways or, like, all kinds of, like, Viking shit over here and, like, this stuff over there. This show that's been on the air for 20 years, it just got canceled. But I just found it out about now, so huh. I found a couple episodes online. And I was like, "This is a cool show, and it's a, it's it's an archae- it's a show that's pimping archaeology." And you have a lot of catching yeah, up to do, my like, friend. Like, 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 yeah, this Oh, one of the things they were uh, they were talking about there was an old special they had like ten years ago where they will they were allowed to go into the Windsor Castle in the UK, mm-hmm. and they actually found what was like the Henry V. He decided to build his own round table based off of the Arthurian legends. And so they oh, really? actually, like, the, the, the building is long gone, but they f- managed to figure out at, where at Windsor Castle he had built the his like, replica round table because he was so into the Arthurian huh. legends. And just weird shit like that. Like, if you're into British history at all, it's just really crazy. And like I said, it's the thing where they have to dig up everything again in three days. So, I don't know, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So Time Team and the huh. Great American, or Great British Bake Off. Those two shows, you can find them online if you poke around. <laughs> They're very goddamn fun. Oh, Max. Max, you may be gone, yeah, but your presence, she's changed you're still present with us. Anyway. Alright, friends, we're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week oh, in yeah. Review. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, pals, welcome back. It's time for the Geek Week in Review. If you're into that kind of thing, and I. Just These days, I kind of feel like I'm kind of better than the Geek Week interview. I'm kind of over the Geek Week interview. I can understand that. But I just kind of like, yeah, I just pretend to be into it, whatever. Just yeah. to remind y'all, this is, of course, part of our podcast where I read Bill's notes on pop culture news, sight unseen. This is my first time <laughs> reading these news, so let's go through this journey together. Woo! Cones of Dunshire. Gonna be a real game. Uh, I read the details about this, but since we skipped last week, I forget what the details are, but, like, somebody has agreed to turn Cones of Dunshire, the uh, 
game from Parks and Recreation into a real goddamn board game. Yeah. I know that they had turned it into a real game just for a festival, like some Just sort to of laugh, games. yeah. Somebody had cooked up some, some, like, tried to make sense of, like, the fucked up rules. That, yeah. Well, which character is that? Was it Ben Wyatt? It's Ben Wyatt. It's Ben Wyatt's game. Yeah, yeah. this is the game that Ben Wyatt devises. Is that when he loses his job and he goes crazy? Uh, yes, he creates that game, and then later he uses it to get, isn't it free Wi-Fi for, um, uh, for Pawnee or something like that? Or something like that, yeah. It's, it's good times. It's, it's good all times. about the cones. It, it's kind of a medieval, like, some kind of, like, the board game that's kind of, like, a little bit like Catan. Actually, I think it's the people who make the Settlers of Catan who are making the, the cones of Dunshire. Oh, that's and too good. I'm... The only thing they need to actually have cones. If it's, it's, I'm gonna, it's gonna kill me if they come out with a game and the cones are just like little drawings on cards. They need like the three foot cones. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least give you instructions how to make, you know, like you know, canon, canonical, like canonically appropriate cones for your game. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah. Oh. Uh, in other news, Final Fantasy 15, and then Bill has a link. <laughs> Of, uh, has a picture of one of the many photo manipulations that came out. Uh, Final Fantasy XV, the trailer came out, is about four dudes going on a road trip in a car. Yeah. And lots of people photoshop various things of what the four dudes are looking out of their car on, one of which is them going through a McDonald's drive-thru. Which is perfect, because they're all just kind of looking out to the side. It looks like, yeah, they're just going to get some Big Macs before it's, going off on a battle. It's pretty good, man. Final Fantasy XV, you know what? I know people are bitching about it, especially with the revelation that came out a little bit later that there's not going to be any playable female characters. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I just, as long as they do something new with the series. Yeah. Like, Final Fantasy got so stale and Final Fantasy thirteen was so bad yeah. that, like, I it, there's no playable human beings in the game I'll be happy. <laughs> I don't really care. They just, they just it's, so it is being passed off to a different director. This is not the guy who's directed, like, last. Well, no, 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 actually I was going to say, uh, the guy who directed Final Fantasy thirteen. uh, he had not. He's directed like like a lot of the other Square games, but and he's had a hand in a lot of the like the peripheral Final Fantasy games. But like Final Fantasy twelve was directed by that one guy who went crazy mm-hmm. and left the game like when it was like two thirds through the development. I think Final Fantasy. I can't remember who directed like Final Fantasy ten. But anyway, this Nomura guy who's kind of like driven Final Fantasy to the ground, he is no longer responsible for Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15, so that's, that's kind of good to hear. I just love that it seems to be some sort of post-apocalyptic land with highways, and then, like, yeah. monsters and medieval creatures and these four dudes driving around in a car. It's just, like, somehow, I don't know why a series <laughs> with gun blades and airships, why a car delights me so much with its unexpectedness, well, it's but so it makes mundane. me so happy. And it's four guys in a car. Just it like, makes me so happy. World? My favorite photo manipulation have been all the inevitable Zoolander manipulation, like the oh, yeah. gif of the four dudes in the car, <laughs> like the head bobbing. Yeah. Oh yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that was my favorite. Um, well, the weird thing is, I mean, it's only a trailer, so it's not representative final gameplay. But you see, like the dudes jump out of the car and they just start beating up monsters. There's no like quick time events or anything, or there's yeah. no. It, the trailer presents it as it's not like you know like turn-based stuff who knows what yeah. the final game is going to be. But it, is, it would be kind of cool if you could just jump out of the car and start beating stuff up, like. You know, God of War style. I mean, that would be an interesting change. Well, maybe you might, like, your weapon stuff may, may still have, like, role-playing stats or something like that, but mm-hmm. it'd be interesting they actually kind of mixed up the, like, the actual combat stuff, too. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? This game's probably not coming out for another three years, and it'll be completely different than what we saw right now, but yeah. uh, I don't know, so... I'm I'm intrigued about this weird dumb game. Yeah, the fact that we're even talking about Final Fantasy 15 means they're doing at least something right. I keep forgetting, like, it's so funny because Final Fantasy is, to, to my generation of gamers, 
was just part of your um, your coming into gaming. Like, if you were really getting into games, you had to play a Final Fantasy or two. Yeah. And it's so weird to me that Fully has no context for Final Fantasy whatsoever. Does she so, know anything about, like, have she been exposed to, like, does she even know what some of the Final Fantasy games are supposed to be like? Or? I, the only game she has seen, and seen me play at length, is the one with Lightning. What was that, 13? 13, yeah. She, see, she watched that one, and she watched me play a little bit of the MMO when it was on beta for PS4. Yeah, but that's 14, the extent yeah. of her context for Final Fantasy, which is just funny to me. It's just like part of the price of doing business. It'd be like not knowing what what Link is. You yeah, know? exactly, yeah. Well, especially it's crazy to me because I grew up playing the original Final Fantasies on the 8-bit and Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And so I never, I kind of missed out on like Final Fantasy 7 and like, yeah. I played some of 8 and stuff, but like even like, you know, 9 and 10, I kind of, well, no, I actually beat 10. I know, but yeah, I, I kind of start off with the original Final Fantasy, so it's funny yeah. to think that we were talking like 15 games later, you talking know. about a bunch of guys in a car <laughs> beating up <laughs> monsters on a highway. <laughs> I really hope that the brand name of the car is Chocobo, though. That would be Yeah, that's the... what everyone was joking about. When you get in the car, it should make like, you know, like the Chocobo theme song. Like, <laughs> like that should be the honk. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, they actually, you know, when they hit the horn on the car, that's... that's <laughs> doo, 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 yeah. Like, it's a little like cucaracha. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Um, anyway. So, in other nerd... In other nerds, that's yeah, In other news, Bad Robots, Millennium Falcon, and Batmobile video. Also, <gasps> oh WTF did you see Radar this, Dish. No, tell me about it, Bill. Uh, so, two weeks ago, uh, the Bad Robot YouTube account posted a video of a Steadicam. It's just a quick shot of, like, the Steadicam slowly flying past the Millennium Falcon, the full-size real Millennium Falcon they've built for Episode Seven in mm-hmm. England. Kind of just, like, skirting past, like, the side of the ship and, like, all lovingly detailed just showing off the old work they put in this full-scale Millennium Falcon. And then it kind of goes underneath the ship and into, like, this little well beneath the ship. You see that they're just, like, stuck, like, a little Batmobile model from, like, the Chris Nolan Batmobiles, like, is just stuck on the side of the ship. <laughs> they're just kind of a silly, it, weird, silly, like, little nod to Batman in the middle of the Star Wars is it movie. Is it painted to look like it's part of the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, exactly. Movie? So you, it's, it's, it's kind of like Mystery Science Theater style, where they have all the yeah. junk on the wall, but it's painted part of the wall, so unless you're really kind of noticing, like, why is that a tennis racket glued to the wall? It's that kind of thing, yeah. That's pretty funny. And, uh, yeah, they don't say any characters or anything like that, but it, this is like, you know, everyone's like, oh my god, aside from that, it's all Millennium Falcon, like, oh my god, it's Millennium Falcon and close yeah. up in HD. And, and it looks really good, because, you know, it's like a brand new Millennium Falcon they built, but it looks like the old ship, but yeah, it's just, it was just a stupid thing that happened. So. Yeah, but what else? Wait, 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 wait I need to rename this note. So oh, you the radar dish. Oh, this is the other thing. So is... there are spy photos that came from this episode seven set. They're actually filming outside. They actually have this Millennium Falcon thing just parked outside. They've only built half the ship uh, because they only built the half of the ship with like the the cockpit and uh, the like little ramp that you run up to because they'll probably just do the rest in CGI. They only need that that half of the ship for practical pr- filming purposes. But they do have the radar dish on the other side of the ship like built too because I guess it's so they don't have to CGI scan it. Uh, now, instead of the big round radar dish in the original Star Wars movie, it has a square radar dish. <laughs> Breaking the hearts of Star Wars fans everywhere <laughs> that they changed the radar dish on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> I, I actually did see pictures of people posting, because, like, from these, these spy photos, they circled, like, in the very distance, you can see this Millennium Falcon Park, and you can see it's a different radar dish, and people are going, oh, what the fuck? Is this the whole point of Millennium Falcon 
assume that it's a hunk junk and they're always changing out parts anyway. Well, exactly. The, Millennium, the, the round radar dish gets knocked off at the end of Return of the Jedi when oh, they fly through the Death Star. Yeah, so that there's no, even in universe, there's no reason to say it's different, which is the fact that, they, you know, it's different. Yeah. I mean, people are joking about how upset they are, but even uh-huh. I was on Twitter going, this is the worst thing since 9-11, is the fact that the Millennium Falcon has a square radar dish now. So, yeah. It was cute anyway, so, yeah, That's pretty stupid funny. stuff. Uh, being a nerd. Yep. Test footage from the Jedi Tartakovsky CGI Popeye was posted to YouTube this week. It's pretty cute. It's got it looks cute. great. It's people pointed out though that Popeye no longer has a pipe, which is not surprising. No, he doesn't have tattoos on his arms though. I didn't notice that. I that I haven't I haven't gone back to rewatching since then, but that's what people were pointing out. And like that's the whole point of the, like, that's the Popeye tattoo is the uh, the, the anchor. Huh. Well, so, I wonder I mean, if it's, it's test footage. Who knows what the final version is going to look like? I but. wonder if he gets his tattoo. What if it's a prequel? What if it's an origin story? Maybe. Yeah. Like his anchor is like he gets married to Olive Oil and she's his anchor. There's a whole thing. There we go. Like the movie ends, like it, it camera pulls out of the tattoo shop as uh, shop as he's getting his tattoo and mm-hmm. like. Uh, so we yeah, figured no, it out. So no. Getty Tartakovsky, he's the guy who created uh, the Muppet Babies and Gertie the Dinosaur in 1914. <laughs> uh, they brought him back to make Popeye. John okay. Hammond, he used I DNA. He really found. like that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming people listening to us know who Getty Tartagoski is. So, yeah. he, he's Dexter's Laboratory, Samurai Jack. He did the original Clone Wars shorts. Um, yeah. He was involved on Powerpuff Girls, but he is not the creator of Powerpuff Girls. He got thrown off when he kept on drawing weird, fan, like, his own fan art for the Powerpuff Girls with the girls. <laughs> not doing anything too bad, but still was a little suggestive enough. They were like, Getty Tartagoski, we gotta get the fuck. We need to be, put you on Star Wars, get you away from these. Most recently, girls. he did the CGI movie Hotel Transylvania, which we did watch and had some cute elements, but um, mostly yeah, it was no. just... That, I, I know a couple people saw that. They were like, it's cute, but it's not. Yeah. It's really not very memorable. It's actually kind of sad. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited about his Popeye film because he is of Russian descent. He was actually born in Moscow. And he said he learned how to speak English. Like, it was some of his first cartoons ever was watching Popeye. That's why he's not allowed to talk on any interviews or anything like that. That's why he, he sounds like heavily, <laughs> heavily accented Russian Popeye. Exactly. But, yeah, it looks really cute. And so I watching that i had this revelation where i was like oh my god brutus is my kind of guy and i googled <laughs> i was gonna tweet this and i was googling brutus. It's okay, olive girl olive oil is my kind of girl or, so we're Bluto. yeah, Isn't yeah. His name, is his name bluto i'm saying it wrong you know what depends because i think sometimes he's brutus sometimes he's bluto depending so on the I cartoon so i googled him on on google image search because i was gonna be like i was gonna make a joke about it and instead i just found this terrible like see like computer drawing of popeye wrestling with bluto with their limbs were all distended and it was the weird was this I was the like, photo you posted to twitter where it's like yes. was it popeye slamming his like balls against the yeah. wrestling pole it was the weirdest thing. My God, internet! Plus, I love you. the internet. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll go see it. I'll go see his Popeye movie. It you looks know what great. Kills me is like I think on the cartoon brew, everyone was like, well, "Okay, well, this cartoon looks good. Who are they going to get to do the voices?" And of course, everyone's yeah. like, "You know, if in in, in, in a just world, Robin Williams would have been brought back to do the voice of Popeye." Yeah. But and oh, that's the other thing is the villain of uh, Legend of Korra next season. That's Rob, that's Zelda Williams, Robin Williams' daughter. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. That's pretty. Cool. Um, and she actually came. She got chased off of Twitter uh, as a result of fallout from the Robin Williams uh, suicide stuff. But she came back, and she came back specifically to pimp 
uh, Legend of Korra stuff. So I'm glad Aww. to see she's back on Twitter and she's no longer being treated like by you know evilly by monsters online. Mm. Like that, so. uh, but yeah, uh, Popeye. Woo! Popeye. Yeah, you, you can also bring back Shelley Duvall to play Olive Oil. That would work. <laughs> That'd be great. How, How do you get Maria Baffert to play Olive Oil? <laughs> have <laughs> you heard? No, it's Bill. Apple Wave. Okay, have, and, and he actually have you heard the, about Apple Wave. Is this the the thing that was floating around that said a new part of iOS 8 is you can charge it by putting yes. your phone in the microwave? <laughs> I thought some people started that. <laughs> there has supposed to be some kind of new conductive recharging technology that, like, yeah, lets you recharge your phone like, yeah, just microwaves, so. And the, the Facebook photos resulting of this was just like, I love fucking love people. And so you have these, you have the people taking photos of their phones just boiling up and exploding and just, what is like, and I, I love the internet sometimes. That's a perfect use of the that's, internet. That's, that's really mean and really cruel, but it's also like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, it only works on iPhone 6s yeah, well, and iPhone 6 with iOS 8. So some of these people, the first thing they were doing was taking their iPhones out of the box and just sticking it in the microwave. It's just like I, I mean to be fair, if you don't know that much about technology, I mean yeah. maybe that makes sense. I mean we're living in a world where you get porn from invisible waves in the air, <laughs> like magic. Why not charge your phone in the microwave? But yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Anyway, mm. but yeah, yeah. Whoever came uh, up with that, they deserve a fucked up medal. Uh, Kickstarter <sighs> changed their terms of agreement this week to state the Kickstarter projects must complete their project if funded and fulfill all responsibilities to backers. Yeah, I forgot to check up on this to see exactly how they're going to enforce that. I don't know if that means if, like, you have a failed, if you, like, fail to like, live up to your Kickstarter stuff, if, like, they don't let you fund another Kickstarter or, like, submit another Kickstarter campaign. I don't know what, like, how... Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't know what, from a practical point of view, this means, but that, that, at least in their terms of agreement, they are saying, like, you, you need to do this with the intention of... It's uh, it's funny that they actually have to clarify the terms of yeah. agreement to say you you need to, you 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 have to intend to actually do right by your customers. But yeah, yeah, that's funny yeah. Because that... I can't, you know, it wasn't until I was reading about this a little bit that it occurred to me that like a, I'm surprised there hasn't been a publicly like known con to use yeah. like Kickstarter like as I was thinking about it, that's gotta be like a, a con artist's wet dream it's been a good three years now and you haven't heard anyone I mean there, there's been Kickstarter campaigns that you know, didn't get funded or got way overfunded that didn't deliver what just recently they announced that what Neil Stevenson's Clang yeah. video game not that he was specifically trying to fleece people but they made a couple million dollars but it turns out like yeah, the, like they that they just wound up officially canceling that because their they, eyes were like, bigger than their stomach. Yeah, and so yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, it, at least so far there hasn't been a thing where somebody obviously very specifically was trying to fleece people. I think I, well, I think there's enough smart people on the internet that like when they smell something rotten with a Kickstarter pan- campaign, it gets out and people know not to fund that, and so the Kickstarter yeah. slowly dies. So I think Man. it's kind of the internet policing itself there a little bit. But speaking of fleecing, I meant to talk about this in the first end of the podcast. So pardon yeah. me for stopping everything. You guys went to a sheep farm. I took my parents, uh, I was trying to figure out what to do with my folks, and one of the things I did was I took them on a Portland walking tour that was the Shanghai Tunnel Tour. I'd heard about this, but I'd never oh, actually no. gone about it. And uh, Portland does have a series of tunnels throughout downtown. They were not used to, in fact, kidnap drunks and send them to sea, uh, but they were used because our 
downtown was higher than our than our water levels and our docks. So rather than winching like products and moving hauling them up, they just literally knocked out between all the basements and just made this series of tunnels. So you could have like raw lumber offloaded from a ship go straight through this series of basements to a basement that had a mill, have them process it into lumber, and then ha- uh, take that lumber back off and load it load it off to the ship without ever seeing the light of day, really. And uh, But anyway, the other parts of this they talked about was the act of crimping, which was the very legal act of um, uh, taking men and basically getting them so in debt to they have no choice but to go to sea for X number of years. Is it the same thing as press-ganging people? Because I know that's what you pretty much browbeat people into going to sea, but I don't know if it was through it's like, a financial thing. obligation or just like... Like, just, like, drugging them and dragging them off. Crimping is specifically an act of blackmail. So, like, what often happened was they, you know, this guy who owns boarding house would see a young man new to Portland sleeping on the streets and say, you know what, kid, I know you're new here and you're just getting on your feet. Why don't you come and stay at my boarding house? It's $2 a day, meals are included, I'll let you stay for a month and why you can get a job, and at the end of the month, just pay me back. And they would be like, oh, great, and go and stay at this boarding house along the way. Of course, the guy also in the bar and brothel attached to the boarding house. He'd be like, you know what, kid, you're, you know, go ahead and have a drink on me. Here's a girl. Spend some time. So at the end of the month, the guys would have spent the whole month drunk and, you know, and, and the, the boarding house dude would come and say, all right, dude, you owe me, uh, let's say, 120 bucks for food, board, and all the entertainment. Yeah. And they would have no opportunity to get a job or anything like that because they're too busy carousing. And so he'd say, well, fine. And just go to see. Here's a you need your options are go to debtor's prison, or here's a job for you. You can go to see at the end of the year, you get paid 800 bucks less my you know what you owe me, of course. So, this is so and, you're uh, what you're essentially saying is you try to get rid of your parents by taking them to this place. <laughs> That's what I did, <laughs> but they were I need money for my wedding and my Lego. But it's like, uh, it's basically all these con artists and everything they do. It was really interesting. But one of my favorite parts of the tour is that it starts by this building that is now, like, the city block that's now a gentleman's club and all these other things. And and he's explaining that when it it was owned by this guy named Gus... And Gus wanted to make the premier destination for was, uh, it for everybody who was off the trail and everything like that. So it's called the, the Nine... Mouse from Cinderella, was it? <laughs> it was not. Gus. It's called the Nine Bar Saloon because there were nine bars in it. Wow. One of which was a rectangular bar with a trough at waist height, so you could go and have a piss and a drink at the same time. Wow. It was really, I was like, it was really, a lot of really good stories, and the end of it was like, I need to learn more about Portland, because this is amazing. Yeah, you found out about this after being here for ten years. You're like, oh I yeah, know. that's fascinating, yeah. The best con I learned about, actually, was by uh, Governor Tom McCall, who was, who's a beloved governor, and the reason why he's beloved is that he was pretty good to both sides of the fence, like, mm-hmm. he reached out to the hippy-dippies, and he reached out to the conservatives, and everybody liked him. He got along well with everybody, because he played the game really well. But he found out that Nixon was coming to town, and he was like, it was right before an election, too. And he's like, if I send in the National Guard, all the youth will be mad at me. If I don't do anything, the conservatives will be mad at me. What the heck am I going to do? So he threw a party. This was a year after Woodstock. So, like, through what was it called? I think it's called, like, Vortex One or something. Yeah. 20 miles out of Portland, free food, free drink, 
like bands and everything and they, 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 they're like oh you know I heard that all these bands are going to be there you know Santana's going to be there none of them showed up and uh, but he's like basically he's like yeah it's a free party and everything and he got all the student groups to organize it and everything like that and they're basically like we're gonna have police outside just if it gets violent but otherwise whatever happens in there stays in there it's fine well. and then when in this I just so happened to be the week that Nixon was gonna be in town. <laughs> And so all of the kids who didn't go out to the event, he sent out the police to round up everybody with long hair or anybody who was driving a VW bus. <laughs> and he directed the police, clearly these people are lost and you need to direct them either to the buses that are going out to Vortex 1 or guide them to Vortex 1 so that they can go have a good time. So he essentially created a fun concentration camp for an evening. Exactly! Exactly. It was such a good idea. Nixon didn't wind up wow. coming. He canceled his last All minute. this, yeah, just to distract a whole bunch of hippies for, exactly. for an evening. Exactly. Yeah. Apparently the local press called it oh Operation Hippie God. Bait. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. I learned a lot. guy. I learned about a lot of really smart cons this weekend. That, that already just, sounds uh, more interesting than House, House of Cards. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, that's Annie's oh. little Portland history interview. That's pretty cool. Are you going to take your parents to Voodoo Donuts and then like get it, drive them, take them out to the parking lot, <laughs> look in the window, go, fuck this shit, we're going to Blue Star? No, we did. Uh, the tour did go by Voodoo Donuts, though, actually. And I didn't know. Bill, did you know the movie theater, the adult theater right next to Voodoo Donuts now only plays hentai? Oh, you, what? They only, they're a hentai theater now. Did you know this? Like, all, all the programming? Hentai, yeah. Why would you go? S- well, I guess that's my thing. So it's actually a porno, but like just specifically hentai. Yeah, a hentai porno theater. I'm assuming that's for older people who don't know how to connect to the internet. Well, what's funny is that so this tour is me, my mom, and my dad, and yeah. this, this this older couple from Denver. That's this group, oh, and this no. tour guide. We're walking by this, and he's like, because it's it's technically like literally pretty much the center of Portland, yeah, uh, proper. And uh, he looks at us and he goes, "Do any of y'all know what hentai is?" And this is I'm, the tour guide asked this. This is the tour guide. Oh it's, no, it's, we we were talking about salacious Portland history, yeah. and it's so funny because my mom goes. I know what hentai is. And I'm just looking at my mother and she's like, I went down a corner of the internet that I should not have gone down. Oh my god. I think that that Denver couple still doesn't know what hentai is and I'm okay with that. I'll just say that. So, anyway. Yeah. Portland. Portland, Oregon. Okay, anyway. Meanwhile, Blizzard announced that after seven years, they've ceased development on their next MMO, codenamed Project Titan. Supposedly, it was quite a bit like Destiny, which might explain why it was suddenly kiboshed. Bill, tell me about Project Titan. I'm sorry, I just want to look, I just did a Google image search for hentai just to see what the first, like if you're just a random person, you just type in hentai just to see what comes up. And mm. yeah, it actually seems to be mostly furry hentai that I just saw. Um, anyway, yeah, so uh, have you heard much about the, the, the Project Titan stuff over the years? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, it's just because they were making it sound like this was going to be their project that was supposed to eventually replace World of Warcraft, but they just mm-hmm. killed it. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, they're not going to kill it just like last week. I'm sure this is something that's been dead for a little while, but they just finally announced it this week. Because uh, some people were saying, well, Destiny got such a lukewarm reaction, they must have canceled Project Titan as a result of that because the games were so similar. And it's like, no, that's not how video games work. Yeah. Uh, and some people were like, oh, the, the, the t- Destiny is so much like Titan that... They must have... It sounds like, if anything, they were more likely just because, like, uh, when they found out what Destiny was supposed to be, like, a couple of years ago, if the project already, already wasn't shaping up, and they found out, like, Bungie's essentially kind of doing something kind of similar, that may have been mm-hmm. enough to kibosh the project. Uh, also, people pointed out 
Um, I guess the core group that was working on Titan, they have gone off and they've already started working on something else for the like last two years. So mm-hmm. even if what would whatever Project Titan was supposed to be at like 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 three or four years ago, that is officially dead. But they've already been working on something else for hmm. already a couple years. So this is not yeah. So this is not like a recent thing. So they've already they're already knee deep in some other kind of like possibly MMO project. So who the fuck knows? But yeah, there's a new thing. Think that it's 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 interesting to think that Blizzard was actually going to go through because it sounds like uh, Titan was going to be a shooting game. I don't know if it's supposed to be first person, but it was going to be multiplayer shooting, collecting loot and hmm. stuff like that. So instead of like. World of Warcraft, which is, you know, like, kind of third-person, just kind of hack-and-slash. This is supposed to be more of an action game, but with, like, the role-playing elements laid on top of it, like, a lot, like Destiny. In fact, actually, the scenario of you're, like, running around an Earth that has been wiped out by, like, like an alien menace and stuff like that. Though Even the setting sounds like Destiny. Um, yeah. So, but it's interesting that they, yeah, decided not to do that, so. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that, yeah, seven years, and they probably dropped probably hundreds of millions of dollars in that project. And they, it's funny that they're in a situation where they can go, nah, this wasn't working. Something yeah. else already like this on the market. We're, we're just going to do something else. So. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Oof. In other news, the alternate Marvel Milo Manara comic covers were canceled. Woo! So this is what, these were the covers that everyone was losing their biscuits about because it was, he's a erotic European comics artist and he drew Spider-Woman in a way that was provocative and nonsensical, really? Yeah, and you don't understand, like, he drew exactly Spider-Man exactly how you think you draw a spider well, no, a Spider-Woman, right? Yes. Yeah. But he drew, it's, he got a Milo Minara sketch. Yeah, like, essentially he got what you thought you were, like, this is one of those things exactly. with Marvel, you're like, what did you expect was going to happen with yeah, this? Yeah, it is what it says on the tin. It's know? a little, I, I, it's, so it turns out one of his canceled covers that just got canceled was going to be for the second issue of the new Lady Thor series. Which, oh, really? Oh, man, I can imagine what the fuck that was going to look like. <laughs> I looked to see if, like, the images from that got leaked, but no, I, there doesn't seem to be anything that was like, oh, man, that would have been fucking rough. <laughs> Uh, did you see the new logo for the female Thor series? No. It's Thor. It's T and two like metal spikes with the handle of Thor's hammer crossed through the two spikes so it says it makes an H. And the O is the, the you know, the, the actual hammer end of the uh, uh, of, of Thor's hammer and then it just says or. Uh, the, uh, has the, the R at the end. It's like, very cute. It's a very clever Thor logo. Um, but yeah, fuck my logo. <laughs> I, I still can't believe that I discovered him by accident. Yeah, how did you? Oh, did you? You bought a book of his stuff at uh, Excalibur, right? Yeah, so I didn't see it. I was like, oh, this looks. His, his stuff looks. I like the cover. I flipped through it. I was like, oh, it's like uh, set in colonial or like puritanical America. That's kind of interesting. Wasn't it something about a girl ends up like. Yeah, what was the story of that? I can't even remember because I read it and I was like, you recited is... to me and I think you got like maybe kind of like. I don't know, man. It sounded. Yeah, okay. I discovered him in a very. Well, most, most of the stuff I've seen from him, the. the, the my actual first exposure to Milo Minara was back in the 80s, like, uh, alternative comics I would read it would have ads on the back for, he was doing a series called Click, which was the series about this guy who invents this machine that can, like, turn women on from a distance, like a little handheld, like, little, little like, machine, that clicky, clicky machine with a dial on it. And you could point it to a lady and turn it up, and it would, like, make her orgasm right there on the spot. And so that was my first experience. It's funny to think, like, here we are, like, 20 years later, and it's like, oh, he's drawing Spider-Woman. I'm like, what? Yeah. Why? 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 What? Sorry. Yep. Anyway, he uh, dead now. The world, our world is a funny one, my friend. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Truly the worst news ever, aside from the bit about the Millennium Falcon's radar dish, the whole Lego Monster Fighters line, including the cool Haunted House, have been discontinued. I was close this week. 
I, I, I went to the mountaintop of the volcano that we live nearby. And I was up on top of it for a moment, looking down, just, like, contemplating self-destruction when I found out about this. No, actually, yeah, so, uh, which is really weird because, okay, so Lego has this monster fighter series, which is all, like, Halloween monster stuff, you know, vampires and werewolves and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I guess it was just introduced, like, maybe a year ago, and they just canceled mm-hmm. it, like, uh, the month before Halloween, which is yeah. like, guys, what are you doing? I think you could have milked this for a month more, like, you would have sold more if you just hung out for an extra month. Yeah, well, A, they're an international corporation. Oh, I know, I know. B, I got an email from, so I'm on the Lego company email list, I got an email from them saying, happy Halloween, look at the seasonal item, and then, uh, like, look at our seasonal items and there was a picture of a model of a bat what? and i clicked through to see any others and that was it that was it <laughs> just, that's this a, is it they can't they only had bat. a month ago they had all those monster hunter stuff and now it's like yeah. actually I, I i was so sad i actually sent a letter letter off to lego customer service asking like is this just out of like temporarily out of stock because a lot of their stuff falls out of stock and there'll be a thing on the website saying well we, we anticipate this being back in stock like in a month or something like yeah. that and they were like, no, this is it. We canceled. There's no, we're not manufacturing this shit anymore. I was like, oh. Which, the month, we, we talked about this before on the podcast. The haunted house was pretty cool, but neither of us are really into the, like, the day glow green bricks that, that most of the house was yeah. made out of. Uh, but it would have been a cool kit to take and kind of like like fix it up and kind of like customize yeah. it feeling a badass. I but. should I should get it and then just replace all the parts with the non green parts. Well, oh so, man, it's already on eBay for like three hundred dollars. According to the Lego subreddit, uh, supposedly there are copies of that like all like Walmart and stuff still has those on the shelves right now. Yeah, uh, you just have you know like, you can buy it at cost, but like it just yeah. not being on the stores. But like if you move like. In the next week or two, you can go out and find a copy of it. But like, yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, still, they still have the Parisian restaurant in stock, though. That, that as long as they have that, that's all I care about. My dream is to, I think, within the next couple weeks, I will buy a Parisian restaurant and the Star Wars Cantina and put the Star Wars Cantina people hanging out in the Parisian restaurant. That's so my dream. I, I, uh, I was watching the Lego movie last night. It was my first time seeing it in a while, especially since getting so deep into Lego. Yeah, and I forgot. There's one part where they're walking, where all the construction workers at the start of the movie are leaving the construction site, and they're talking about going out and hanging out, and they're talking about their favorite foods. Chicken wings. And the three foods they talk about are chicken wings, croissants, and giant sausages. And then I thought about it, like, because that's the only Lego food. (laughs) Well, then the commentary for the movie, that's what the creators are like. Yeah, the guys are like, that's that's the only food we can think of, so that's, like, their favorite food. (laughs) And then the Parisian restaurant has the croissants and has the chicken, yeah. you know, it has all that food stuff. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty uh, yeah. Marvel has finally settled its dispute over the rights to the comic book characters Jack Kirby created for the company. The terms are undisclosed, unfortunately, but everyone seems to agree that Kirby's family had Marvel over a bucket and is probably walking away with enough money to build a small Scrooge McDuck money bin. Which is funny because that's also a, a Disney character, Marvel. But yeah, oh, I so I know idea this is going to the Supreme Court. Oh, I didn't know either. That's yeah. what happened. This was supposed to, like, this is the, 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 the Kirby family is going to plead its case before the Supreme Court next week. Hmm. And everyone agreed that, like, if, if the Kirby family had such a good enough argument to take this all to the Supreme Court that, like, even if they lost, the PR would be such a disastrous to Marvel yeah. and Disney that, like, it was worth them paying whatever they, they needed to pay the Marvel family, or the, the, the Kirby family. So, the, the terms are undisclosed. Uh, Marvel hasn't come out and said anything. It sounds like what it sounds like whatever deal struck that uh, Marvel obviously gets to keep the, co- the trademark and copyright to all the characters, but like I guess they're just going to pay the Kirby family a shitload of money just to, re- mm. to recompense 
uh, pay them back for all the yeah stuff. Because he like created the Hulk. People point out he created Groot. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. for Marvel to like plead poor man when the most popular yeah. character from the most popular movie that's been released that was made by Marvel this year is created by the guy who was at the center of this whole uh, lawsuit and everything like that. Yeah, but, yeah. And so this is this has been a debate that's going on for ever since he died like 20 years ago so this is finally finally at an end so this is one yeah. of the most famous comic book lawsuits out there that's finally kiboshed so yeah good for yeah. his family <sighs> yeah. Yeah. are you it's sad now? You, you don't hear many stories where, where it's about comics people trying to get paid for the work they did that end happily for yeah. the comics and by end happily so. means his family didn't get paid until 20 years after he was dead but at least beats yeah. the alternative of never getting paid at all but yeah relatively happily question mark yeah kind of not the bad guy won in the distant end but yeah mm, it's kind of yeah. like oh man so glad mad max won in that last mad max movie but we're <laughs> all already dead by then anyway so what does it really matter to us mm. yeah animatics for the four unfinished episodes of the clone wars tv series were released on starwars.com this week yeah so there was a whole big thing about how uh star wars the, the cgi clone wars cartoon that we were talking about before um, they were gonna, they were gonna produce, uh, like, uh, they were gonna produce more episodes, uh, but they got shut down halfway when, uh, again, speaking of Marvel and Disney and stuff like that, when Lucas sold all the Star Wars stuff to Disney, uh, Disney sh- immediately shut down production of uh, all the CGI cartoons, uh, CGI mm-hmm. Clone Wars cartoons they were working on. Mm-hmm. And so this week, uh, the Star Wars, yeah, StarWars.com posted animatics and story reels, from four of those unfinished episodes, I guess they had like better part of a season's worth of episodes in the hopper, and so mm-hmm. they might. I don't know who knows. Maybe over the course of the, like this season, they'll just keep on dropping like more and more like information about these episodes. Because there's the Clone Wars when it got shut down, it was coming to a head. It was pretty much had filled in pretty much most of the gaps between um, that the the second Star Wars prequel and the third that the, the show was supposed to fulfill. It was already getting close to where. Yeah. It was it was going to have a natural end, and so it was getting to the point where there was going to be like it seemed like they were going to have like tying up stuff, and so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting to see that they're they're actually putting out like at least versions of these episodes so you can see what the canonical stories were supposed to be, yeah. um, like the the fate of going back. I was talking about how terrible the main character of the Clone Wars is this this brand new character they created named Ahsoka Tano. She was kind of annoying at the beginning, but she came really cool. Like, her fate in the cartoon is completely left and in, in, in up in the air, and so I don't know if they'll actually explain what happened or in these episodes that they're, you know, half-finished episodes that they're leaking onto the internet, but yeah. I don't know. Interesting stuff, though. But huh. Cartoons. 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 And finally, oh, man, yesterday, yeah, this Saturday. Yeah, this is the heartbreaker. September 27th, 2014. Reportedly marked the end of 50 years of Saturday morning cartoons in America, but the last broadcast of the CW's Vortex animation block, which, like all other Saturday morning cartoon programming, has been replaced with live-action programming for teens and adults. Which, I'd never heard about this, but I guess Vortex was the last nationally broadcast cartoon Saturday morning cartoon block in existence, and yesterday was the last showing of it, so... Uh, that ends. I actually had to look up the history of Saturday morning cartoons in America, and I, so I guess the, they start off in the mid '60s. So it's been almost exactly 50 years of continuous Saturday morning cartoons until yesterday. Wow. So next Saturday will be the first Saturday that in the United States there will not be a nationally broadcast Saturday morning cartoon. That is crazy. We're all gonna die. Granted, there's cartoons all over the place. Um, we're living in a world where we got cartoons shooting out of our asses 24 hours a day. Yeah. But in terms of, but like, nationally broadcast cartoons, like, yeah, it's, it's, that's not a thing anymore. 
We do have, like, entire cable networks devoted to cartoons. You know, you can watch mm-hmm. cartoons on iTunes and stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm not excited to do more cartoons. That's it. Uh, they also announced that all breakfast cereal is going to be set on fire now. That's it. It's been it's officially outlawed. <laughs> it's the only justification oh. for that stuff ever existing was for Saturday mornings. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so when I went to bed last night, I was looking up all the YouTube videos of... I don't know if they did this in the 90s when you were kind of, like, growing up. But, like, back in the 80s and even the late 70s, uh, on Friday nights before networks would start their newest season of Saturday morning cartoons, they would have a Friday night preview of all the new cartoons. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past. They didn't. I don't remember this from my time. Yeah, because I think that's. Yeah, see, I happen to. I think I pretty much grew up at the very height of the Saturday morning cartoon shit, where you had so yeah. many licensed cartoons. You had Rubik's Cube cartoons and like all Alf cartoons and shit like that. Yeah. And I, yeah. Uh, one thing I saw last night was like from 1989. It was Perfect Strangers introducing like the new ABC Saturday morning cartoon block. Yeah. So you have Balky and his cousin Larry. Like, oh, these cartoons are so hilarious. Oh, look. Oh, the, but we also have Bugs Bunny. We have the goodies and the oldies and, the, like, all yeah. the stuff. And I was like, this looks terrible. Oh, it's so How sad. How did my parents ever put up with me watching this shit when I was a kid? Um, yeah, and the other thing I saw, too, was a Saturday morning cartoon preview show from Friday night of, like, 1983, where you have the cast of the Dukes of Hazard and Scott Bayo introducing yeah. a block of cartoons starring Mario and Donkey Kong before... Mario became famous. Hubert, uh, and Dungeons and Dragons. So this is like right nineteen eighty three must have been like right when video games were becoming like big thing in the national consciousness. But before yeah. Nintendo became the big thing with its own console in America. But yeah. Saturday what what's what were your Saturday favorite Saturday morning cartoons specifically? Saturday morning, not like Disney afternoon stuff, but Um Gosh, I can't remember, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't really like I was such I was so in the cult of cartoons. I remember waking up and watching them, but I just watched all of them. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Nothing in particular stands up, stands out distinctly. Well, it kind of the watching the Perfect Strangers Saturday morning cartoon preview, because I see some people talk about how the Disney afternoon cartoons were some of their favorite Saturday morning cartoons, and I'm like, hey, that's wrong. Because Disney <laughs> afternoon is Disney after. It's in the name. It's Disney afternoon. Because that shit was syndicated afternoon cartoons that happened every day, not right. Saturday. But I guess they eventually, like, like, Gummy Bears and DuckTales eventually became part of, like, national program, like, Saturday morning cartoon stuff. So I yes. guess maybe some people, yes. that's how they first experienced that. So I feel bad for yelling at people about, no, you're wrong, yeah. you labeled these cartoons incorrectly. Um, but yeah, my favorite cartoon was Turbo Teen. It was a, about a kid who would turn into a car when he got, was it, when he got wet or angry? <laughs> Look this Those up. are two very different things, Bill. Look this up sometime on YouTube. It's a horrifying transformation sequence when he would turn into a car and other people would ride him and his mouth turns into, like, the grill and his hands turn into tires. We were watching it as a kid just, like, wanting to throw because it was so fucking grotesque. Um, yeah, there's a Rubik's Cube cartoon where there's a little alien Rubik's Cube flying around. There's the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon. Man, all that shit. Like, I remember, like, all the Bugs Bunny cartoons when they were, like, little Bugs Bunny programming block and... Saturday morning cartoons, right? Yeah, man. Um, uh, this yeah. is me. Just like listeners, feel free to email us with your favorite Saturday morning cartoons. Unless you're Helen yeah. Maxwell Motley, who lives in the UK, and the, they don't show cartoons because that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they. Well, this is the other thing. Maxwell Motley, speaking of Saturday morning cartoons, we're uh, discussing the difference in breakfast cereals between the United States and the UK, and we were looking at uh, how uh, the different names that the United States breakfast cereal has in the UK. The UK does have Fruit Loops, but Fruit Loops are fucked up colors. Because the UK actually has standards in terms of, like, 
sugar and artificial flavors <laughs> you can add to cereal. So the cereal yeah. is only half the sweet and is all the wrong colors. It's like this, huh. and then some of the bright, punky Fruit Loops colors. It's a bunch of like washed out like vegetable colors. It yeah. looks gross as hell. <laughs> friends this was the boy Howdy podcast <laughs> perhaps you can visit us from your country your native land tell us about your breakfast cereals and meanwhile you can email us at howdy at boyhowdy.org uh we are at boy Howdy podcast on the twitters so inclined you can review us on itunes if you do that sort of thing and we'll talk to y'all next week about more breakfast foods and cartoon shows that we miss undoubtedly take care guys all right see y'all later friends Ma, 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 ma.